What's up, Overcomers? Thank you so much for being here. If you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, tell your friends, share it with everybody you know. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pure Spectrum CBD, simply the gold standard by which CBD companies should be measured. If you work out or if you have trouble sleeping, you need to get the things that I use from Pure Spectrum CBD. I use the Black Label Topical. It helps so much with inflammation. And I use the Black Label 2,500 milligram drops. Every single night before I go to bed, I notice improved sleep, reduction in anxiety. In my opinion, there are no better CBD products on the market. Visit PureSpectrumCBD.com. Use promo code OCY at checkout and save 10% on your whole order. That's PureSpectrumCBD.com, promo code O-C-Y. My guest today is stand-up comedian Chappelle Lacey. He's the co-host of the Fighter and the Kids podcast. He has his own solo podcast titled It's Managed. He headlines comedy venues across the nation, and luckily some of them are starting to open back up. There's a link in the description if you're in the area and you want to see him do stand-up. But on this episode, we talk about a lot of things. I loved this conversation. We talked about how to overcome the early days in his comedy career when nothing's really happening. And just like you and I, when we start something new, a new business or a podcast or a YouTube channel, in the early days, you're not going to see a lot of fruits of your labor. But how do you push through? How do you overcome? We also talk about how to overcome the loss of a loved one. And he talks about how, and he talks about one of the things that really helped him was looking outward and helping others to help him overcome. I just love this conversation. This guy's got a heart of gold. His laughter is infectious and God knows the world needs more laughter right now more than ever, and this is the man to do it. So please welcome my guest today, Chappelle Lacey. Chappelle Lacey, headlining comedian extraordinaire. He's got a straight line to the Dalai Lama. He is the only reason why the fighter and the kids is successful. Brendan Chavez has been riding your coattails for too long. I'm sick and tired of it, and we're going to break the stigma right now. Hey, brother, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for doing oh, this. Thanks for having me, Josh. I appreciate it. A couple things before we get going. So yeah. you were born and raised in Arizona, right? Yeah, Mesa, Arizona. Mm-hmm. So I lived in Arizona for about three years when I was in corporate America, just above Phoenix in that little city called Anthem over by Lake Pleasant. Okay, yeah, that's a yeah, that's a bit of a stretch from where I was. That's okay. that's probably like maybe a little, maybe an hour, probably a little over an hour from where I grew up, which is like odd to say for Arizona because everything in Arizona is like it's like yeah, either twenty, thirty minutes at most, maybe. But yeah, most mostly everything like in the greater Phoenix area is pretty much like twenty minute drive. That's one thing that I had to get used to is because I grew up in Newport Beach, Orange County area, and everything is is seven minutes away, seven minutes this way to the beach, seven minutes this way to the restaurant. But in Anthem, I wanted to go, uh, for those of you who don't know, Anthem's like real, real small. It's like, it's got two streets on it. It's real tiny, but I wanted that because I've been in the big city, quote unquote, my whole life. But what I had to get used to is I had to change the way I like go out and everything because everything was a half hour. It was a half hour to here, half hour to Phoenix, half hour to Scottsdale, anything I wanted yeah. to do. So you always had to add that on. And then when I came back to Newport, I was like, hey, let's go over to Anaheim. They're like, oh, dude, that's 17 minutes away. I can't be doing that. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, you don't know what that's like. So I know it's 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 a weird uh, luxury. But yeah, Anthem's like, but it's but also like, you know, with Arizona, everything's easier to like get to like the freeways aren't as stressful as they are as in yeah. California. 
Yeah, hypothetically, yeah. a lot safer and less stressful to drive drunk if you're gonna if you're gonna do that. Not that I'm advocating. You're gonna do it. You're gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll get you there. They have a no tolerance law. Is that where you started comedy? Uh, Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what well, first time ever going up was in Louisville, Kentucky. How long have you been doing comedy for? Um, see, it's like a it's like a weird uh, story. So I started in 2010 at the age of 23 in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, but um, I want to say, so yes, that was 2010. And then three years later, um, my brother passed away and I had stopped comedy and I didn't get back on stage until 2016 is when I like really got back into it. That's one of the things I recently had uh, Neil Brennan. I didn't get a chance to ask him, but one of the things that I'm, super enamored with comedians is that those early years of comedy of all the bombings, the driving, the, um, you know, going up for no money or anything like that. Can you kind of paint a picture? Then I want to kind of ask some questions about that. Can you kind of paint a picture? What's that like? How many years did you go through until you're kind of headlining? What were those days like, or what was that feeling like in those early times of like kind of figuring out or getting no laughs, going up, all those types of things. Can you kind of paint that picture of the early days? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you know, I'm one of those people that like, if I want to do something, I would just do it. And I would like, I, I, I become unconscious to the fact that I just want to be really good at it. And I, I, it's hard to explain, but it, it just, I just go, you know what I mean? And, you know, those early days, you know, it, it, you know, growing up, well, doing comedy in Phoenix, it's just a little bit different. There's not as much as like, you know, some of the other places have as far as like, if you're coming up in New York or LA or even, you know, Chicago, you know, has a little bit more, even uh, some areas of Florida, you have a little bit more of a luxury, but, you know, with Arizona, um, you know, you, you're kind of on this like search on where to like find your way and to do shows, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, so you have like a couple spots throughout the week and those are like your same spots, but eventually, you know, there's more and more time you start to meet more people. You realize, Oh, there's this show going on. There's this show going on. And uh, you navigate your way into like having more throughout the week than just those two sets mm-hmm. out of the week, you know? Uh, but that, that takes a lot of time. Cause you know, you, you gotta really like, um, you know, prove yourself you know, time's a little bit uh, limited out there. Whereas like here in LA, it's just all over. So it's, it's easier, you know, to, to get up back home. Like, and there's other two things that's going to happen with that, you know, with that limited time that you have, you're either going to take it serious or you're not, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I think, you know, my earlier days, I think, because originally I did, I started comedy because someone dared me. Uh-huh. You know, and so my earlier days of comedy was kind of riding off this dare. Yeah. You know, I would do it as much as I can, and, and you know, would would really try to work at it. But I don't think I there was I don't think there was a one hundred percent click with it because it was you know I did it based off of a dare. So I'm right. riding off this dare that like is in the back of my head. How long did that dare push you? How many years did you do those like two sets a week type of thing in the beginning? Um, In the beginning, uh, you know, yeah, it was, it was that for a while, 
you know, it was it was that for a while. Uh, you know, then then a while like a in, year or two or I'd say yeah, probably two years. Two years, yeah. I'd say a good solid two years wow. of that. And you know, and then so I want to say, yeah, 2012, end of 2012, I decided to move out to California. I moved to Orange County specifically. Uh, I lived with a family friend. And that's when I was like, okay, well, let's, you know, I live in California. You know, maybe I could try to like, you know, trickle in in L.A., you know, uh, whenever I can. It was a bit of a drive, but, you know, it was still like, you know, you kind of need to see it. You kind of need to understand it to to even – I don't even know, but um, it wasn't. So my brother, like I said, my brother passed in 2013 and, you know, that being one of the, you know, one of the closest people to me in my life, you know, and I was living in Orange County. I was trying to do comedy, uh, you know, in Orange County in LA. And, you know, when he passed, it was, it was tough. I was like, Oh, I don't want to, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to make anyone laugh. It's like this. It's this weird thing when people say comedians are depressed, you mm-hmm. know. And I'm one of those people. If I if I'm not feeling good mentally, especially, I don't want to. I I don't want to make anyone laugh. I don't want to make. I don't want right. to tell any jokes. You just you just don't feel it, especially when you know it's you know it's your brother. You know you sure. know this person longer than anybody you could imagine. Sure. You know we're only. You know, we were only two years apart. So, you know, to have that happen, it's like, oh, a big chunk of my, you know, big chunk of your 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 soul is just like ripped up. Yeah. You know? And then and then you're supposed to just live life and it's and it's tough. It it was not easy, but you know, I I could not do comedy. I just right. couldn't. It just did not make sense. I didn't feel it. Um anytime I would try to do it. It was it was like the most the least authentic thing I you know it just there was no authenticity to it yeah it was it was really really tough looking yeah. back can you connect the dots like if you were going to give some advice or something from someone that's lost a loved one have you figured out or connected the dots how you overcame that how you pushed through that because um, that's a real difficult thing to do we've all had loved ones that have yeah. passed but. For you personally, how did you finally work through that? Can you, were there some things that you did, like yeah. tactical things? What were some things that you did to push through and well, overcome that? Well, you know, you, <laughs> you start to just like, one, you get to this point to where you're just like, I'm just here. And you don't know why. Yeah. You know, you, re- you really don't, especially like, yeah, like I said, like losing someone like that. You don't know why anything, you know? Um um, my brother had made me the beneficiary beneficiary of, on his life insurance from his work. Mm-hmm. And so like, I got this big uh, life insurance check. Well, I hated, I hated it. I honestly, and, and it's weird because some people are, are like, you know, they enjoy having that money, but I hate yeah. it. I hated, you know, looking at my bank account and seeing that money. Cause it's like symbolized hurt. Yeah, it's just it's like, man, like I was like, I, yeah, I got this money, but I was like, I, I don't want that. You know, I want, like I want my brother back. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what I was going through. And, you know, so I just got rid of the money. I just started helping people. Oh, that's awesome. What'd you do? 
it's just anything and everything. Anytime anyone needed help with anything, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do it for you. I just, I just step yeah. right in, you know, because it just saw like, I just saw, I don't know, I just saw it as a way to like, you know, a lot of it goes unnoticed because I don't really, I never been one to like really Both express it. Yeah. that type no of stuff. But, but um, you know, just anything and everything. And I, when I when I started helping people. I started to feel good. Mm. I started to feel good with myself. You yeah. Know? You know, it, it kind of took away these, like, it's like, oh, that, like, a, it wasn't even like, I was like, I'm doing this because I want to feel good. Right. I was doing it because I wanted to get rid of this money. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> you know, you know I mean? it's it's funny you said that. I had a um, neuroscience te- or neuroscientist from MIT yeah. on. And what he said uh-huh. is literally, we were talking about depression, how to overcome that, how to stop like cravings yeah. and addiction. And he said, literally, the number one thing that an individual can do that will release all of the happy chemicals, the serotonin, the oxy, oxytocin, and the dopamine all at the same time, which is like the trifecta of love and happiness chemicals put together, is helping somebody else. They literally put people, you know, um, uh-huh. people up, and they had a control group and everything. And they said, the number one reason, the only the the only number one way is to help other people. And I feel you with that because. You know, for people listening, when I was going through my depression and I was on the verge and tried to commit suicide, it's all inward thinking. It's all, you know, I'm a piece of shit. I'm a nothing and a nobody. Everyone is a burden because I'm, I'm here on this earth. And it sounds like you might have gone through this similar thing going, fuck, my brother died. You know, who am I without my brother, my best friend, my road dog? You know, yeah. I don't know if I can fucking have fun anymore, but it's all you're kind of looking internal, which makes sense in a time like that. But it's yeah. not until you look outward and yeah. start helping people that you start to go, oh, that's really the 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 huge thing. And there's another thing. Sorry, I'm a super geek with like no, no, you're good, you're good. Um, teachings and stuff like that. There's a study that I'm fascinated with. I'm learning about it and reading all the papers right now. It's a 75 year study that Harvard's been putting on. It's gone through four directors. It's the longest running study on human behavior. And what they said is the number one common denominator of happiness is what's called connectedness, which is having two to five people that you hang out with intentionally two to five times a month. And that was the number one reason. And they started out with 604 people over 75 years from Harvard. Some of these guys became billionaires. Some of them become janitors. And the number one thing that they attributed to happiness was that connectedness, that hanging out with people. And so when you have your brother, that's you're losing that part. And now you're looking inward. So now you got like this perfect storm of depression or like fuck my life and then you start helping other people i think that's really valuable connecting those dots going back that's really cool man you know and and you just giving me new information that that was the thing because i didn't know that's what it was but i just you i you felt and you know i just felt it you know and it felt really good and it just made me want to continue to do that and and it's like i started to realize these things like Hey, I'm not the only one going through something. Huge. You know, there's this, there's this, there's this person over here too. You know, it may, and they, it may not be on the same level, but they yeah. can, they can probably feel the same thing that I'm probably feeling. Yes. So it's like the least I could do is just like, you know, give a a, a helping hand. You know what I mean? The, the, the emotion is like, yeah, you know, every every situation is different. Sure. But there's this emotion that when you see that person. Have it, you know it, you know it yep. so well. 
So it's just like, oh, I know, I know what you're going through. Here's the least I could do. Yeah. You know, and, and that was that was the thing that like helped it it honestly helped me start start climbing again. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that that feeling of fuck, I'm not alone or shit. Chappelle Lacey feels like that too. This motherfucker's a, a comedian. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, someone's listening to this and, and saying that, or God, this guy too, or or that celebrity too. Like there's a value in or comfort in knowing that you're not alone and knowing that other people feel the same thing, regardless of, of echelon or economical status, everybody goes through similar things at times. Yeah. There's such value in knowing that. But I think the other thing that I think you and I connect with is that when you speak from, or when you help from, Hey, I've been there. And so from you losing a loved one, for me, you know, attempting suicide, I can look at somebody and go, listen, brother, I fucking been there. I know what you're going through. If the situations may be different, yeah. But what we're connected, you know, Hey, yeah. I may not have lost a, a brother, but you know, I lost my mom or whatever. Hey, you know, their situations are different, but man, I know what you're going through. The feeling yeah, is the, the same feeling. The feeling is the same. It's like the same note. Yeah. It's the same note. Like if you think of music, it's like, you, yeah, you, you hear that note and you're like, Oh, I know where that note, where that yep. comes from. Yeah, I, know play, I know how to play that note. You know what I mean? Like yep. that's, that's how you, I like, I, like I just thought of it, you know, musically, it's just like, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you just know it. Just and that's the thing it. that the analogy that I use all the time is, is with pain, it's everybody's pain is the same intensity. And the analogy that I use is if LeBron and James and I go into the weight room and he benches 400 pounds and mm-hmm. I go and I bench 200 pounds, the yeah. strain on the muscle is literally the same. It's just 100%. different situations. Yeah. The strain yeah. and the pain is the same. And so it's just so, I just think there's such value in you see into that person and go, listen, I know that spot inside of you. Cause I have that spot inside of you to, inside yeah. of me too. And then yeah. you have that connection there. I just, yeah, think and, it's, so and, it's, and, it, and that's the thing. It's great when you, when like, you know, someone's going through it as well. Like, okay, I, I think back. So, you know, I grew up in a, in a very abusive home, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Me too. And I, I was very fond of the band corn. Okay? Ah, me too. Yeah. And the reason being is the lead singer, Jonathan Davis. Like that was the first person like that. I knew that had a story, you know, and he put it yeah. to his music and the music made sense to me because like, that's what I was hearing. It was that note. It goes back to that note. Yeah. And then you see this, this person out there doing it. And it's like, he's not directly, you know, speaking at speaking to me, but like he put it out there and it's hitting more than just me. Yeah. You know, it's hitting a wide range of, uh, of people that are like, yeah. And then you just so drawn to it. Yeah. I had the exact same connection with Eminem in -hmm. the way he talks about his mom, because my mom was a freaking cocaine addict, left me at a liquor store Uh when I was eight years old. And so when he has that rage and that anger, I'm like, fuck yeah. You better yeah, get the fuck a- out of my way when I'm in the gym and I got Eminem in my head. I tell you what, <laughs> yeah. I'll fucking lift that thing out of the freaking wall, dude. It's it's the tone. Yeah. That, that tone, like, you hear it in their voice. Like, it's like, oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, that's the sound I'm hearing in my head is this is what they're what they're spewing out. You know what yep. I mean? And when you find someone like that, you know, and then so I had that and then Henry Rollins, which I'm a massive massive geek over nice. like his 
the anger. Then there's yeah. that, that anger, you know, and, and I would see him, but I would hear him talk and I hear it's like, you know, his, his spoken word and it's like, whoa, like that's what I could do with my anger. Yeah. I, I could do that. I could use it in a way that's like unique and it's, and it's doing something and you're, and you're being vulnerable and you're, you're putting it out there and you're not just like holding it in, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and so these are the type of things that are like, help me, help me get through it. You yeah, know what I mean? Henry Rollins, I was listening to one of his spoken word. He did something for me that he got me into a, um, like a reading cadence and one of his spoken oh words, yeah. he talks about how he want he had to read like Chaucer and all these things just to get into his head because he felt so stupid. And then I believe he maybe I'm I'm thinking about this, so this is the way I internalize it because I started to do that too. So I started to read like the Divine Comedy and started to read all these um, biographies, and then I'll go talk to other intellectuals. None of these motherfuckers have read it. And so it's like, <laughs> here we are, we're thinking we're stupid. We're trying to yeah. read all these books to be intelligent. And then you go talk uh -huh. to intelligent people and they're like, oh, I never read it. Oh, I don't know anything. But you're just yeah. talking about the book. Bitch, you're a fucking fake. You're a fraud, <laughs> yeah, dude. You're a fraud. Yeah. And well, that's what I love about, about Henry is that like, it's exactly what you said. Like he, he felt dumb. He felt like he wasn't intelligent enough. And so, and it, that feeling, you know, was probably an icky feeling for him as to why he just constantly is learning. Yeah. If you notice, like, he always has something new to say because he's constantly learning. He's not speaking the same thing. It's something new every time. And that's what I thought was, like, beautiful, which, mm -hmm. like, you know, which I was able to put into my life. Like, it's just like, oh, just continue to learn. Continue to, like, understand. And it's not learning, like, oh, let me watch the news. Let me put on this TV. Right. It's, it's not that, you know. And it's wild that, like, people think, you know, if you don't know that, then you're, then that's what makes you stupid. That's right. not the case. There's other things to learn. It's like, I always think whenever people promote it like that, like if you're not watching this, if you're not paying attention to this, you don't know. Yeah, to hear. And then I always go, well, what do you know about yourself? That's like my biggest question. What do you know about you? Yeah. You know, you, okay. Okay. You, you, you have this information. What can, what can you tell people about you though? Yeah. And most people can't do that. Yeah. You know, how many times in an interview, like people, someone's like the, inter the interviewer go like, like a job interview and they go, you know, tell me, tell me about yourself. You know, tell me, tell me a little bit about you. Most people don't know how to do that. Right. It's wild that you don't have that down. It's yeah. There's, there's mm -hmm. a few things with that one. I think that's why comedians are so prolific is because you can't be a headlining comedian unless you sit down and go, Hey, what do I fucking think about this Capitol Hill thing? What do I think about this race thing? What do I really think? What do I really feel about it? Because a lot of people, they just spew what they hear. And yeah. I've been a podcast listener since a jump. Not one of my friends, not one, not, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not embellishing. Not one yeah. friend until probably this last year or so, has ever listened to a podcast and now obviously everybody listens to rogan I, i'm a big fan of rogan everybody is and now when i'm having conversations i hear them spew what he says or i hear other people spew what bill burr says i'm like bitch you got that that's not even your idea that's like, not you even said, your idea you don't that's even, not even, you your even idea. really think that yeah that is this you know I, i'm geeking out that you said that because that is exactly how i feel it's like you know 
like yeah, like that, that. That's just something you heard there. Yeah, and that's and you took that as like, and it's it, yeah, it's not your idea. It's theirs. That's that's that person's voice. That's yeah. Joe Rogan's voice. That's Bill Burr's voice. That's Dave Chappelle's voice. That's not your voice. Yeah. What is it? What is it to you, the individual person right here, right now? What is it to you? Yes. You know what I mean? That's that's the thing that like is is important. Like no 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 no. Like it's it, it, like it, it, people people like to think in this like group setting. It's like mm-hmm. I'm gonna be over here because I feel like this is right. right. You know, I'm gonna be on, on on this side or I'm gonna be on this side. But it's like, okay, but what are you without this group? What are you individually? Yeah. There's something Henry Rollins said in, a, in an interview to uh, the, he was, this kid was like interviewing him. And he was trying to like poke at Henry or whatever. It, it was not a smart move on the kid's right. part. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, the kid was like trying to poke at him. And, and he's, he said something to Henry. He was like, oh, you know, because Henry made him feel real dumb. And then all of a sudden this kid's like, oh, you know, I believe you. I'm, I'm on your side. And Henry said something that I thought was beautiful. He said, he said, I, he said, I don't want you on my side. I want you on your side. Ooh. You know what I mean? That, that's what I thought was like, I was like, oh, shit, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and he came off aggressive. This was 80s Henry. <laughs> yeah. So he was about but, to pop him in the face if he kept yapping. <laughs> exactly. But it, it, it's still like a, a, like it's like yeah I don't I don't want you on my side I want you on yeah. your side what is it what is, like do you know how to think for you yeah you know that's what I think it's like I don't know and I, and I've just taken that like because I've always been the odd man out I'm a black dude that fucking listens to punk rock plays guitar skateboards I was a cheerleader like all these things just go down the line yeah so I've realized well all my life yeah it's like yeah I don't I don't do anything. I, what I realized is that I don't do anything for anyone else. Like, I don't like these Huge. things for people to like me. I like these things because I genuinely like them. Yeah. And if you, and if it's, you know, whatever, I, I okay, cool. You can make fun of me all you want, but I don't listen to it because, right. you know, I need you to like me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting because those people that spout Bilber's words or Rogan's words or something like that. I understand why they're doing it because they agree with the thought process and they want to be part of the group. However, it's so interesting because think about everybody that you admire, everybody that I admire, they're all one of a kind. There is Mm -hmm. only one Henry Rollins in this fucking world. Yeah. You know, and not to throw sunshine up your, you know what, but that's why people gravitate towards you because there's only one black comedian guy that listens to Oasis. That was a cheerleader that does (laughs) backflips. I'm pretty sure there's only one. But you're an original and you think for yourself and you got an energy and your laugh is infectious. And, you know, Bill Burr's a one of a kind or, um, you know, whatever these people are. And it's so interesting because I just want to know you. And my Mm -hmm. my thing that when I go to when we used to be able to have cocktail parties, I don't want to do surface level conversations. I want to get to the meat. I want what makes you happy. What drives you? What's a passion? What what do you what have you done lately? Because I want to know the individual. I don't want to know surface stuff. Yeah, so surface stuff. Yeah, it's just boring. Yeah. Oh, I fucking hate it. it you know, it, it's 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 uh, cool that you say that because so I went through like years of anger management. Have like had like three different anger management teachers, and my my the last one I had. Um, the thing that was cool about him is he never gave me any answers. 
He never said, this is this, this is this. this. He, he always made me think. Mm. Never gave me an answer. He always asked questions. Well, what do you think of that? Well, how does that make you feel? Well, what, you know, like it, it was, it was, which I'm like, that's, yeah, that, like when you, when you talk about people regurgitating, yep. you know, w- what something Rogan said or something, you know, Dave Chappelle said or anything like that. It, yeah, like that's, that's, that's because that's their thing. And, and that's what I, I, you know, you helped me realize this right now. Uh, and I think that's what my anger management teacher um, was helping me with. He was just like, I'm not, I'm not going to give you the answers. Yeah. He helped me build this foundation to be able to like go out and figure it out. Right. You know, but, but with guidance, with guidance, yeah. he wasn't just saying like, this is what this is. This is what that is. You know, it's right here. You need to believe this. You need to believe that. Yeah. It was yeah. strictly like, go watch this. I yeah, want you to come think- back and I want you to tell me what you think. I think that's huge. I'm speaking out of pocket because my wife and I, we don't have kids yet. Um, but all my friends, I'm 38 years old. So all my friends, mm-hmm. kids, they're all, the average age is right around four or five. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not giving parenting advice. I'm just saying no, 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 you, there's in nowadays, because there is nothing, if you want anything within the matter of 10 to two hours, you can get it. You can get the answer for anything. You can get a, a cocktail, you can get a pool, you can get anything you, you want right now. So there's a not a whole lot of thought on how to do that. Um, I think we're similar in age, but we used to have to go look up the answers in encyclopedia, go to the library and do some thinking on our own. And I think that's where the school system and things right now is we need to start teaching the kids to think for themselves yes. and figure that out because think for themselves and then the one thing that I do, I have a stack full of, of ones. I get a packet of $100, just $1 bills. And the other thing I do is anytime I hang out with the kids, they know they can come up to me. And if they tell them, tell me one thing that they love about themselves, they get a dollar. And oh, it, just, yeah. it will go forever. <laughs> but the thing yeah. is, the odd thing is, they always start off with, I love my mom. Okay, that's great. I love that. Yeah, what do you yeah. love about yourself? Well, I love, I love playing soccer with my dad. Okay, that's great. That's not you. What about yourself? And so often, the other thing that I ask adults quite often is I always say, tell me, um, tell me three people that you love. And they'll say, mom, dad, kid, or whatever. They never once say themselves. Mm-hmm. Never oh, once dude. say That's themselves. That's so crazy. Yeah. And that and, needs and to be first before anybody. Needs it needs first. to be first. Yes. Before your mom, yes. before your spouse, before your kids. You have to love yourself first. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be um, – John Maxwell has a great quote. He says – you will always be a second second rate citizen, a second rate business person, a second rate spouse, second rate significant other. If you're not a first class, you, mm-hmm. and it happens so often, and we get, it's just it's just so crucial. Yeah, I, you know, it's a, it's a very it's like it's I, I think it's some people don't something people don't think about like how are you able to deliver yourself to the world if you can't even deliver to you. That's how I always think of it. Like, good. yeah, that's that's how I like to think of it. It's like, what what can I deliver? If I'm, you know, even when it yeah it comes to being a comedian, you know what I mean? Like, I have to enjoy these things about me to go enjoy being on stage. Yeah, it all it all roots back to these things. You know what I mean? Because it's like I know what I'm like when 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 I am when I when when I wasn't. I know what I was like when I you know because yeah I used to be that way. 
I think, sure. we, you know, a, a lot of people that have figured this new path out have, have, have felt that before. Otherwise, yeah. how did we get here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. So um, I know what it's like. You know, I know exactly where that fucking place is. I know yeah. I can go knock on the door right now, <laughs> but I don't want to. You know what yep. I mean? I'm trying to stay away from that door. Yeah. So it's it's always like, I mean, one of my biggest things is this fucking this journal. Like I have so many like just journals of, you know, in, in a uh, bucket over there that, that are just filled with like constantly trying to figure something out. Like what, you know do, what I mean? What do you write in there? Like what type of things? A lot of the things that I write in there, that's where I, that's where I release all my, all my happy, happy thoughts, all my anger, all my sadness, mm. all the things I, you know, questioning everything, all my insecurities, anything and everything, whatever I'm feeling right there, I just let it all out right there. And I, and I always go off the inspiration. I never try to, because people think when they need a journal, they need a journal like five pages. And it's like, sometimes I'll journal just a half a page and sometimes I'll journal 10. And yeah. I go off the inspiration and let it be what that is for that moment in time. You know, Do you feel, not try to force anything. You when, know? You, when you write something in the journal, that's something about your insecurities or something that's making you bummed out or sad. When you write that in the journal, what's the feeling after you get that out? Oh man, it's, it's a, it's a wild feeling, you know, feel relief, right? A little, so, a little weight. So relieved. And like yeah. The weightless, yeah. Cause like a lot of it is like, you know, when you're writing it down, all of a sudden you have these questions like, okay, well, why did, why did I let that make me feel that way? Yes. Oh, do I really need to make it? Let this feel? Oh, this is, this is way smaller than I actually think. Cause then you start thinking about like, like, it's like, oh, you, you've been through this. You've yeah. done, you've been through this. Why is this letting you feel that way? Yes. That's the thing about it. It's like, oh, okay. Okay. Well, fucking. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it, it really, really takes it away. And it's super important to me. And it's something I've just continued to do over the years is just really, you know, lock into the journaling. Yeah. That's so huge. Whatever modality people use to get it out. Yeah. is it needs to happen <clears throat> whether that's a journal whether that's therapy whether that's screaming whatever it is you have to get those feelings out because yeah. you don't get them out they fester and then they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and to the point where they'll those thoughts have taken down some of the most talented successful intelligent people in our lifetime these and that's the thing that I'm trying to get get across is like, listen, a lot of a lot of my friends and this podcast may maybe isn't really for them. It's for because they're successful or whatever it is, you know. Um, is that I want to let everybody know is it doesn't matter whether you grow up in Newport Beach or whether you're uh, Chappelle Lacey or Neil Brennan or Robin Williams or Chester Bennington. You know, if you don't take care of these thoughts and if you don't get them out or deal with them they will grow and they will fester and they will fucking take you down. I don't care how strong you are, how successful, how good looking, how many headline shows, how many tickets you sell. Like you got to get that out. I think that is so valuable for people to hear that, you know, you're doing that, that too. So that's yeah, just so. Yeah. So cool. It's it's a, uh, well, I mean, I think sometimes, especially like as I've climbed more and more successful in the, this entertainment industry, I think a lot of people think, you know, that we aren't human, 
mm. at times and that we can't feel, you know, and then when, when people make you feel like you can't feel, yeah, you just, your emotions just stay bottled. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, it's like, well, you got this, you have this type of life. And it's like, well, I didn't always have this life. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't always, I wasn't always this, you know what I mean? So I still know what emotions feel like. I still know all, all of that. And I, and I notice it whenever people like write me, you know, mm-hmm. or whenever I see when someone meets me in public, they're like, you know, terrified to say anything. And I go, ah, you're good. I'm not that, I'm not that person. No, right. no, hey, high five. Like, come on. Yeah. Let's give a hug or whatever. Like, I yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I'm like, listen, it doesn't, I'm not that guy. Like I don't, I'm, I don't have an ego to where it's like, oh, that person was terrified to say hi to me, you know? Right. But, like I'm not, I don't have that, you know, and some people do, some yeah. people do, but I don't, you know what I mean? It's like, listen, you, you listen, we probably would have been friends in high school or whatever. We never know. You know, so yeah. it's like, you know, I don't know. I, I've just never really, um, been like that because uh, it's like yeah like I I've, I'm I want you to, I want you to know that yeah I feel I'm able to feel what you feel as well mm-hmm. you yep. know what I mean we we all we all we all feel it. yes we all we all can feel something for sure for sure yeah. you know switching gears a little bit I want to go back to I'm in awe with com- comedians and musicians I'm in awe of for a couple reasons one is that I always think it's so incredible that hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people come just to hear your thoughts. I think that's so crazy to me. And maybe that's a little bit projecting because a little self-deprecation that I have, like who would want to come see me? But nonetheless, that's number one. But then the second one is those early years. I know we started talking about in the beginning is what made you push through? You're making what? No money. You're doing two sets a week. No money. Maybe twenty five bucks. If if I'm if I'm being gentle, maybe fifty. Yeah. So if a hundred bucks a week, you can't pay rent. Rent with that. You're getting on stage. You're getting a little <laughs> at best. You know, you're bombing. Or keep going. You're bombing. You're bombing. You're maybe getting booed off stage. People are leaving. Why the fuck would you keep going? And how the fuck? <laughs> Did you keep going? I don't understand why somebody would go through that pain of it yeah. with because you're not you're not getting a payoff, but there's got to be a payoff somewhere inside of you that feeling or something along the lines. So, what made you push through? In like uh, that's that's an easy answer. Oh, I, hit me. Uh, skateboarding, skateboarding. You eat a lot of shit, and you're falling hard on yeah. fucking concrete. And you're busted the fuck up because you want to get this trick. And I think that same way with comedy. It's like, well, when no one laughs, I go, man, that skateboard hurts way more than the fucking people not laughing. You know, Mm -hmm. but you still feel it. Don't get me wrong. You still feel it when people aren't laughing. But there's this thing, like, it's addicting. It's addicting is what it is. It's like, you know, when you have that good set, you're like, I want that feeling again. And when you have that bad set, you're like, I got to redeem myself. Mm. So it's just this constant battle that you're fighting in your head that makes you continue to go. Yeah. You know, people try to shortcut it. Some people try to shortcut it, but you can't shortcut that. You can't like, cause yeah, people are, there's times people are not going to fucking laugh at you. Can't shortcut. Yeah. Comedy, you know? Yeah. You, I forget you, who said it. I, it's one of the podcasts, one of the comedians, they said you can't fake 
comedy and you can't fake fighting. Like you can't no. get out there. Like it, you can't fake it. Yeah, who said that? Date? Someone just said that recently. Yeah, I forget who it is. It's yeah, I forget who it is too. But yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, think? Go ahead. Sorry. Do you think now that I'm hearing you say it, I'm wondering if the thing that I've heard or thing that works really well for me to help with my happiness, not just one thing, but it's like one spoke in the wheel of happiness that helps me is having progress. And I'm wondering if in a roundabout way going through those sets and then, you know, you go up there and you have 15 minutes, but only one minute gets like a real big belly laugh. And then you get two minutes and it's like, Oh my God, it's kind of like a drug kind of like that dopamine hit and it's Mm -hmm. just a little bit better a little bit better a little bit better it's kind of like working out physically like oh my god oh the top two abs came out fuck yeah let's get those bottoms oh shit got a little cut here on the arm fuck yeah let's keep going let's keep going like i know that's when just equating using the analogy for working out and i'm starting to see that definition come through i'm like i don't want to stop i don't want to stop i don't want to stop get that fucking cause jr away from me give me my salmon i don't want to stop i don't want to stop do you think the same thing is with comedy. It's that per- little incremental progress that kind of like dangles the carrot yeah. along with you. Yeah, and it's a it's a long play. You know what yeah. I mean? It's such a it's comedy, such a long play. I mean, it, it it's like I don't know. It's just you, yeah, you just want that this feeling, and every time you get that inch, you're like fuck yeah. You know, you feel it. Yeah, but, every, but everyone can still bomb. Everyone can still take a pop, even some of the best. You can yeah. still go out there and go, "Damn, that was that was really bad." <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's something I learned from uh, Chris Rock. He said you have to be comfortable with bombing. Mm. You got to know what that's like. You got to be comfortable with it. And okay, I mean, they're not not saying like, "Oh, I don't care if I bomb tonight." It's it's more like being being uh, being comfortable, meaning being alert. Yes. Like like being alert to what's going on, what's happening and why is it happening? Why are these people laughing at that part? Cuz yeah. it makes you go back to the drawing board each time. Each time you go back home and you're like, "Okay, well, what that that when I said this it didn't work. Why didn't that work?" Oh, maybe if I and you 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 go to the little toolbox <laughs> in yeah. your brain. That's you working out. Tweaking. You're doing mental curls. That's your yes. working out process. Oh, got it. Okay. That's exactly what it is. You know, I put out, I just published a um, podcast today. So I, I'm not a big celebrity person. Like they don't, it doesn't get me like, I'm not like, oh my God, I can't believe so-and-so walked in the door or anything like that. Yeah. But for some reason, Kobe Bryant's death, like really fucking hit me. Mm-hmm. It really hit me, you know, I'm a Laker diehard Laker fan. I felt like I kind of grew up with him, yeah. but nonetheless, today is the anniversary of him passing mm-hmm. away. And I put out just a um, compilation of eight life lessons that, you know, he, he put out there in the world. He has a ton of life lessons, but the guy just has greatness in every area of his life. But is that the one he did with Jay Shetty. Um, I took a compilation of everything. So oh, I got took one oh, from Jay, oh. one from that. And I put them all together and I put it out. But one of the things that, he talks about similar to what Chris Rock said is that he was asked, what does failure feel like in the first words out of his mouth was it's exciting. And I think it takes a long time to get to Chris Rock where you're okay with bombing. It takes a long time to get to Kobe Bryant where, where it's exciting. Yeah. That's not that mental work, that mental strength. And when you and I can get it, maybe you're there, but when I can get there or the listeners can get there, when some, when the shit hits the fan and you go, <clears throat> Okay, cool. Uh, not maybe okay, cool, but 
fuck, that sucked. Doesn't feel good, but what can I do better? How can I fix it? And it doesn't put you down for a day or a week or a month or get you into that place that we yeah. were talking about. I think mm-hmm. that's the part, but I think going back, that's where I'm kind of putting the dots together as, as you're talking. It's going through those little mental curls and those, those um, re- re- reviewing your sets and watching yourself, which I know if you're anything like me, it's painstaking to watch yourself over and over and over and doing an edit and all yeah. those little things to, once you get to that Chris Rock level or that Kobe level, you know, you have a bomb and you miss a shot and you're like, okay, well, let's do that better next time. Or I should have zigged. I should have zagged or something. Yeah. All that compilation together that kind of warrants this like mental toughness. Yeah. <laughs> well, cause it, cause it's gonna, it's gonna come back. Like it meaning like you're going to get on stage again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, you like, you got, you gotta be, you gotta understand that you're going to, you're going to get back on stage. So when you go back to the drawing board, it's like, yeah, I see why he says it's exciting because it's like I went home, went to the drawing board, tweaked all this stuff, and I'm excited to go back out there, mm. you know. And it's and it, there's so many layers to why it's exciting. Uh, you put yourself out there. Yep, that's one of them. You were vulnerable enough to, yeah, in front of a bunch of people. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it, it, it's it's yeah, it's it's the pre- it's the pressure. You know, or and, and this is like this There's this thing of like, you know who you are and you know, you can do something and you're like, I know I can do this. I know that didn't work right there, but I know I can make this happen. You know, I, I did. I do this joke about my abusive childhood and anytime and like I remember when, early on when I was doing this joke, it was like the toughest joke because mm-hmm. you bring it up, the crowd immediately is like awkward. Oh yeah, ooh. Yeah. They hear that they hear the word mm-hmm. and they're just like, you know, they don't know what, what's gonna happen. You know. And I remember I like I let myself fucking bomb that joke for so long. Cause I was like, I'm gonna figure out where the hell yeah, you know, where it where it's gonna be good. I, I was like, I'm gonna figure this out. And you know, I realized I was like, okay, I need to like one of the things, and this helped me like get over you know, that anger towards my stepfather. Sure. You know, I was Tell like, me. Oh, I was like, when I was up on, when I, I remember when I first started the joke, I was like, I'm up on stage and I sound like I'm still upset. Mm. You know, I sound like I'm still hurt. Yeah. They can feel that. It's coming. So through. it's uncomfortable for them. Yeah. yeah. They're like, Oh, he hasn't even dealt with this. So I was like, okay. So I was like, okay, why do I need to be okay with my stepfather? That was the first question. And then all of a sudden it just went down the line. And then when I figured that out, I was able to do whatever I wanted because now I'm able to talk about it in a way, the energy that my tone is different. Okay. You know, it's not like this. Yeah. It's fucking. Yeah. You step following. Blah, blah. Now his tone is different. It's like, it's like now like, Oh, I forgave him. I say that. I say like, I was like, you know, I forgave him. Yeah. Know, Cause that was a moment in time. I say these things. That sets them up to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is where he's at with it. You Shit. know, he's he's okay with. It. He's he's worked his ass off to be like, oh yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah, you know, it happened. That's not my life. My life is this now. Here's the yeah. jokes. <laughs> you just <laughs> no man. You just gave me a real big insight there, serious because you know a lot of the things that I talk about is you know 
very di- disruptive home. Father was physically, um, verbally abusive. Mom left me at a liquor store. I was eight, went through um, suicide. You know, those are like real heavy things. And I'm betting that the energy that I'm putting out through may still feel like there's a wound there. So it's maybe not carrying over there. So maybe I need to work through that f- through that more. I guarantee you that's happening. Because sometimes when I give talks, there's a I feel a disconnect and I feel that same thing. I feel like, oh, and I want that feeling because there's a connection there, but I don't want them to feel awkward or I don't want them to feel bad. So I know what you're saying. I'm not articulating well, but you gave me just some things there. That's, I got to, I got to look back at that. That's, that's for No, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it was like all of a sudden this beautiful thing started happening and it was probably the biggest weight I've ever felt like just, come off of my shoulders. Yeah. Like I'm starting to realize I'm like, Oh wow. Like that was, a, that was you know, and then I started thinking about his life and I'm like, Oh wait, he went through these things. Yeah. I was like, he was doing what he knew, you know? Yeah. Like he, he never got out of the environment that he was in. So he was doing exactly what he knew. He yeah. probably didn't even think he was doing wrong. You know right. what I mean? Yep. And, and which he didn't, you know, like sometimes my siblings, they'll, you know, he he'll say that. Yeah, I was I was you know I was a good I was a good father. You know I, I you know and and they would get mad at him when he said that. I was like, no, you got to realize he really does think that. Yeah. I was like, the reason why I was like, here's reasons why he, he thinks that his father was never around. Mm-hmm. He was around us. Wasn't the greatest, but like he was around. Yeah. So he's so a he step th- or two above. Better exactly. In his so mind, he yeah. thinks that in his mind. That's like something, Good you know what point. I mean? So like, so it's like, I was like, we can't get mad at him for that. Yeah. You got to realize what he's not aware of. That's what you got to realize. Yeah. And it's like, oh, got it. And so like, none of that I take personal at all. I don't yeah. take it personal because it's like, yeah, it, that, that was something that happened. That was what it was. But then I also had to realize like, oh, that's not my life anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was that moment in time you know, my early ages of life, you know, those, that sure. was that, that's what that was. That, that was, you know, it just happened to be that. Yeah. But it also gave me, you know, it gave me a story to tell. It gave me something to look at. It gave me, you know, like, man, to be able to speak about it the, this way that I am is insane because most people don't get this luxury. Sure. They don't get this like, but like stand up comedy is <laughs> what helped me figure that out. Setup comedy is what helped me. And I and it made me think about the things that like I learned in anger management class that 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 were that were told to me, but never really, never really like got to me until I started doing that. Like they never let me talk bad about them. They never talked bad about them. Mm. Like whenever I was in those sessions, we never it was never talking bad about him. Right. Ever. We're talking about you. Chappelle Lacey. I get the feeling that you get more out of comedy for your, your soul and the inside than, than the audience or any sort of outside financial success. I feel like comedy helps. I don't mean to be grand. It helps your soul. And that's what I'm getting. That's what I'm Mm -hmm. feeling. I feel like that's, um, would you agree with that? I would 100% yeah. agree with yeah. that. <laughs> no, it's, because, it's valid. You know, and that's the thing. It's like, okay, so I took like this learning thing from 
from Henry Rollins. Like he, like he, I didn't go, Oh, this is what I should learn because Henry Rollins learned this. It's like, learn what, go out and learn, just go out and learn. Look, you know, take a look. Um, You know, so I don't regurgitate what, you know, he's saying, but but also there's these quotes along, along the way for him that, that like have stuck with me that have inspired me. Sure. Naturally. But, uh, yeah, like this learning thing, and I and like you know digging into this like abusive childhood that was so intense for me and so like mm-hmm. you know hurtful for me and, yeah. and just like it's something that I was like I it just something I just kept going I can't believe that happened I can't believe that happened to me I can't believe that this yeah. was a fucking thing in my life you know what I mean and it's just like that's what I kept saying. And it's like, wait, 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 you should believe it happened. Yeah. It fucking happened. Yeah. Wow. You went through that. Hey man, look where you're at. <laughs> you know, look what you're doing. Yeah. If you, know, you went through that, you're going to be able to, in a, in whatever your way is and your way is comedy, you're going to be able to connect and help with help more people through that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't go through anything, I, it's like, I feel like it's like this rubber band in life. You pull it back. That's all the negative stuff. And the worst your fucking life is, if you do the work and and do all the mental, um, get the stuff out, the journaling, all those things, and you get back and you do all the work and you slingshot forward, it's all, twice as many people going forward that you can help because yeah. you've had that shit life. Oh, because you went through that, you can help so many more people exponentially in a roundabout way, however that is is for you. Whether that's providing, whether it's comedy, whether that's a podcast, whatever it is for you, whoever's listening, if you've gone through some shit and you've gone through some tough times, just think how many more people and how much stronger that you are going to be and that how many more people you can help along the way because that happened to you. Yeah. I I mean, it's so valuable. Well, yeah, that was just like looking at something because I was like, man, I want this joke to work. I don't like that this joke is bombing. And my ego was like, no, I'm not fucking giving up on this joke. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. I was like, I'm not giving up. You yeah. know, then I started, you know, saw that thing with Chris Rock, you know, like, you know, came up bombing. I was like, okay, now yeah, I'm gonna let it bomb, you know, because it's like, it's, it's got to work, you know, got to work it out. I've got to find the way, you know, you got to go through the fucking struggle, not even realizing what it would do for me, you know. Internally. Being off stage, yeah, yeah, being off stage is like, and what it did for me, I was like, oh wow, and I've been able to give, you know, my mom a new perspective on it, you know, mm. and whenever she would say like he, you know, he just said that he would say these things, and and it's like, yeah, yeah, and I, I agree with you, yeah, yeah, it's gonna make you feel that way, yeah, you know, of of course, naturally, yeah, it'll make you feel that way for sure, but but here's this other way to look at it. You know, here's this other way to look at it. Yeah. You know, and 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 it's and it's made her like find her own strength. You know, because that was that was the, you know that relationship. You know, was horrible for her. Sure. You know what sure. I mean? She she didn't she didn't necessarily get the physical abuse, but the verbal abuse was very heavy. Emotional. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you got to think. You know, where where she came from. You know, and it's like oh, like all these things. It's like yeah, this is why this is this. Yeah, this is why this is like this. It comes from something. It's not just like one day. It's like this is the decision. Yep. That yeah. wasn't that. That wasn't how. I don't think that's how my stepfather came about. Like it was the decision to do this. It was. It was. You know. It goes back. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think what you said there, and, th- and I truly believe this, is that with the exception of the 1%, whatever the percentage is, really small, exception yeah. of the 1% that's a psychopath or has no emotion, everybody that's doing whatever they're doing, they're doing be- out of the proper spot in their heart. They think what they're doing is right. Even the fucking morons that are storming the Capitol, they think they're doing something right. So it's not right, but it's, they think that they're doing right. So even your dad or my mom or, or your dad or your stepdad and my stepdad, they're doing the best that they can. And they think that they're doing what is right. And so it's kind of like, you can't really fault them, but yeah. it's just not not okay. But yeah, I think yeah, that's it's, the core it's not like yeah. I, I did, I'm not saying it's yeah, and, that, and that's what I don't want people to like think like that. I'm saying it's okay. It, it's not okay, but right. also right. to help you understand and to help you move forward from it, you got to understand the what's behind it. Yeah, you know my my girlfriend my girlfriend said said this thing to me like she's like sometimes you gotta you gotta think a person is just trying their best. And sometimes mm-hmm. people don't know their the best. best is. Yeah. They don't know what the best is. They have yeah. no clue. And I go, oh, yeah. True. Like, when I look back at that uh, that whole time, like, we were poor. You know what I mean? Like, it was tough, tough to get groceries from time to time. It was tough to have the, the fucking lights on, pay bills. Like, the, you know, mm-hmm. what? Wh- wh- and that was a constant thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like if that's a constant thing, then it's like, yeah, no one we don't know what the best is. Yeah. And it's not like I, I'm like, it's not like I was like, man, we were poor. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just don't even you don't even realize it. You're just in it. Right, for sure. You're just in it. Cause you're yeah. like, yeah, this yeah, this yeah, this is what this is. Like this you're is just it. in it. This is it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't know what's be beyond that. Right. You just don't know. Imagine, imagine, yeah, imagine. Like just yeah, you're in you're under a fucking rock pretty much. Yeah. It it does suck working with those bags of cereal, the ones on the bottom shelf. Cause I never I I'm like like you, I never got the box of cereal. I always had that bottom bag shelf that I always open <laughs> yeah. in the in the pantry and cruise out. Um well brother, I could just talk to you forever and I yeah, have just man. two or three more questions for you. For but sure. before yeah, I get to that, it. Where uh, where can everybody find you? What do you got going on? You got any dates coming up? Or you got anything yeah. in the hopper? That's a little um, weird right now. No, you're good. Yeah, everything's a little weird right now, but we're all doing as best as we can. And, um, you know, uh, but yeah, just doing the podcast stuff. I got my individual podcast called It's Managed with Chappelle Lacey on all pod- podcast platforms. Uh, I only use Instagram, so at Chappelle Lacey is <laughs> okay. the Instagram. And then, uh, you know, catch me on King of the Sting and Fighter and the Kids. Uh, and then uh, tour dates, as far as that goes, uh, I'll be in Kansas City uh, February 27th through the – gosh, man. I <laughs> Get it. You put me on the spot here. <laughs> well, it's been a while since he had uh, Kansas dates. City. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a minute. Like individual, yeah. like they don't come that often as often as the uh, February twenty fifth through the twenty seventh. I'll be at the Kansas City uh, Comedy Club, um, and those tickets go up um, here soon. Nice, uh, but uh, and yeah, that's that's it for right now. Yeah. And uh, website Chappellesi dot com or yeah, dot com. I got merch. I got uh, a, a brand called Love Is Tight, which nice. is something that I just say all the time and. Uh, someone one day was like, do you have that on a shirt? And I was like, hmm, 
<laughs> I do now. I do so, now. Yeah. So yeah, love is love is tight is my my brand, and it is it's wild because whenever I say it, people think it like has to do with like relationships. Mm-hmm. Like oh yeah, I'm in love. You know, it's like no, it's just like I for think everyone. of it like with my yeah for everyone. It's for yeah. everybody. Anybody can have it. You know, anybody can can say the expression "love is tight." If you feel it, yeah. you know, with your family, you know, your parents, you're just like, man, love is tight. You know, whatever. It's it, yep. it goes wherever you you want it to go. Well, that might be the answer to my first question, but if you had an earpiece and all 7.8 billion people on the planet, obviously right now it's really tough. Shit's crazy. What would you whisper in the ears of 7.8 billion people? Oh, I'd say slow down. Mm. I think that's the, the biggest thing. Cause like, if you, you notice it now, like everybody's just in this rush. Yes. You know, even, even, even like if you look at a news station, there's so much information, like there's stuff at the bottom, there's stuff on the sides, at the top. Meanwhile, there's a person talking as well. That's too fast. Too much. Get the fuck out of it. That's too much. Slow it down. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? That, that's like one, because when you slow down, now you're able to think logically. But if you just like, this with it, this information, everything, it's like bounce off the walls. Where's the time to think logically? Yeah. You're just going. You know what I mean? So yeah. That's like one of my favorite things. Yeah, slow down. For sure. Then how do you build your self-worth? Uh how do I build my self-worth? Realizing the the things that I have accomplished, even if it's something little. Mm. Even if it's like, oh, I realize I I constantly make my bed every day. Wow. You know, because everything's a foundation for something bigger. You know what I mean? And that's how, like, you find your your self-worth and realizing, like, you know you better than anyone else. Yeah. You know, no one can tell you, no matter what people say, no one can tell you who you are. You know who you are more than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, brother, I really appreciate you coming on and just one last thing just from, from me to you. And nowadays, in this time of craziness and people are at each other's throat for this or that, I truly believe that comedy and music are one of the few things that can help change an individual's state. And I know you're... You may be like, "Hey, this analogy isn't isn't a it's a little grandiose," but I want you to walk through through this on me. And you can't tell me this isn't true because it's it's happened to me. And I want you to picture this mother of two, you know, working at the diner, the local you know Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. Recently, you know, her shifts have been cut down. She only gets two days a week, and she's at work. And manager says, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna have to cut you loose, cut you out out early. There's just no people." She walks away with 25 bucks in tips, which is nothing. She's driving home. She's got a car payment coming and insurance payment coming. And she flips on your podcast or listens to one of your comedy specials. And you don't change her life, but you get her through the awesome laugh that you have and the energy that you put out and the happiness. And she sits there and she just does the, (laughs) ah. And then she goes, she drives home and that one little release, then the kids come out, hug her. And she's like, goes in, plays with her kids, plays board games. Like, you know what? It's not so bad. I got to hang out with my kids, Mm -hmm. getting ready for bed, 
sees her running shoes and she's like, you know what? I haven't put these on in six months. Gets up the next day, goes for a run, comes home, feels good, takes a deep breath. And then, you know, things just start to change a little bit. And it's all because of that little chuckle. And it's those little times of listening to a podcast, listening to a, um, a comedian, that laughter can change your perspective on things and can lower those shoulders and completely change the trajectory of your life. And I don't want to make, make you feel like, oh, it's grandiose, like you're changing people's lives, but in a roundabout way, you are. Because that old analogy, two sailboats leave at the exact same time in one tiny little degree, and they end up at totally different destinations and totally different perspectives. But it's because someone hears your belly laugh. It's because somebody hears you making fun of, of um, Shop's stupid haircut that he got or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, and it just yeah. allows them to relax a little bit. And so... Like I said, I know you can't think about that too much when you're writing your comedy, but if it, at times when you feel like you don't want to sit down and write or you don't want to get up, if that ever does come up, just think about all those times those people listen to you that need that chuckle and need that release mm -hmm. because you and all your comedy comedic friends and all the music right now, I think right now we need that more than ever. And so I just, yeah. I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you continue to push through all those bombings and, um, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> just keep going. I really appreciate you. Dude, I appreciate that. This was great. I, I enjoy these kind of conversations. Yeah. These are the conversations I geek out over. <laughs> I love it. Me too. All right, yeah. everybody. Hell Remember, yeah. be kind to yourself.